Hello and welcome to... Is it warm? A warm Wednesday? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant in here. No. Like, no, it feels good in here. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it is warm outside. 50 degrees out there. And sunny. And there's sunshine. Woo-hoo. Who Who were we talking to? Was it Kristen Cornette on Friday of last week who was talking about the last time that the sun shined? Yeah. And it was, was. like... Days. More than a week. Like, oh, it yeah. was days and days, days ago. And that was on Friday, and it wasn't supposed to, and she said there wasn't going to be any sun over the weekend, yeah, although there really, wasn't going to be any rain. Yeah. And then I think she th- thought it was going to be Monday or Tuesday, but then I think that kind of got pushed back a little bit after the weekend. Like, I think this is the first time the sun's been out in I, a week. You know what? We missed it, but there, and I, the reason why I know this on Facebook yesterday evening. There was sun yesterday? People were going bonkers what? and taking pictures outside. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> there was an hour of sunshine it's that you and sun. I missed. I think it happened at like one or two. It was one hour of sunshine. And people <laughs> were losing their ever-loving minds. I hate it. I hate when there's no sun. I was yeah. looking at something. Um, I was looking at some legislative priorities mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. this 2024 session in Missouri. Now this this priority list was made before the drama and everything. This was like going into the new um, session, and there was one. You know, like various groups put together their you know their the things that they want the the lawmakers to work on. And I was looking at one of these lists, and on it was the permanent daylight savings bill to make daylight mm-hmm. savings be the permanent clocks in the state of Missouri. And I still to this day stand strongly behind that idea of making daylight savings be the all-time way that we do the clocks. I think we send you up to Jeff City. And I think right. we have Tony Colombo pitch pitch the idea. And be the advocate. I can't do it. And it was on full display this week because I I get bummed out, emotionally bummed out if you don't see the sun for days and days. Yeah. If uh, if it's only dark and it's only cloudy and it's dark at freaking five o'clock and it's dark in the morning and it's dark when you drive home and then it's cloudy for days. It messes with you. It does. There's a a real psychological like name for it well and it feels i was telling david maybe like last week hey i have to go run to target after work i put we put Maeve, black we put mave down at 7 30 at night it's still very early and i tell david hey i'm gonna go run to target david is like what what are you doing it's the middle of the damn night i'm like it's 7 30 he's like no 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 it's it's far later than that it was 7 30 at night but it feels like 10 o'clock 10 30 i just Every single day, you probably notice this too, Tony, and everybody else that's driving home from work around this time. Five o'clock, I'm driving home, and every single day, it's getting lighter. Yep. Every single day, I'm reaching my house where there's a little bit more sunlight, and I'm like, hold on. You got to hold on to what we got. That's right. It is getting a little bit better every day, but imagine if it just stayed better all the time. Yeah. And instead of, I mean, it would still get obviously darker early, but instead of it getting dark at 
at five o'clock. The latest that it would ever get dark is six o'clock. I'm and serious. And people would drive home in the light. You and- should go up to Jeff City. If we get, if there's ever, you got some free time. You think you guys? Yeah, right. <laughs> you can make that happen. <laughs> some about the kids at the bus stop and the farmers. Is what I always hear. I yeah. always hear about bus stops and farmers. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Whatever. I have kids that go that really stand at the bus stops. They're fine. It's literally across the street. They're fine. Change it. All right, lots to talk about today. I love Wednesdays because we have a little bit of fun and we have a little bit of seriousness. We will talk to the great Rodney Boyd, the insider's insider of local news and politics. Nobody can give us better insight at what, about what's happening in Jeff City than Rodney Boyd. And we are going to talk to him in just about 10 minutes from now. So keep it here for that. And then about an hour from now, a little less than an hour from now, we're going to open up Closest Cabinet. We're going to talk to our buddy Mark Close from KC95. Do we know if Skip's going to be with he us today? He will be. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mark Close from KC95, Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet. First time getting a chance to talk to Mark since our concert on Saturday night, which was, of course, sponsored by Weber Chevrolet and the great uh, people at Gutter Pros. So very much looking forward to uh, having some fun with those guys in a little bit. Okay, where to start? We'll get into the local stuff with Rodney in about 10 minutes. So let's start with some of the um, the national news. Here's this this one. This is really bugging me. I don't know if it's bugging you as much as it is me. E. Jean Carroll and oh. her victory lap that she is on is the grossest thing I've ever seen. So disgusting. She was on Rachel Maddow's, Maddow's, Maddow's hello show um, on Monday night, and this is starting to get these these clips are are starting to go everywhere. And she's just she's just elated about this money and all of the cool fun things that she gets to do with her and her friends now so of course the she was awarded 83.3 million dollars in a defamation suit against Donald Trump which when she said that he she was sexually sexually assaulted by the former president he still claims that he's never even met he has no idea who this person is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this thing's that that whole thing is far from over. But anyway, she was over. We talked about this, I think, on Monday yeah. because she was on a bunch of shows over the weekend. And she was talking about her, how she's going to buy her pets like her pets are going to live in the lap of luxury. And we're going to get premium dog food and we're going to take my dogs are going to be like princesses. And then she's on with with Rachel Maddow on MSNBC and. She and Rachel Maddow says, um, I understand that you have some things that you want to do with this money to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be? And do you know what that might look like? And E, that's the question. And E.G. Carroll says, and it's the she is elated. Yes, Rachel. Yes, I have such great ideas for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel, you and I are going shopping. We're going to get complete new wardrobes, new shoes, a motorcycle for Crowley, a new fishing rod for Robbie. Those are a couple of her lawyers. Rachel, what do you want? A penthouse? It's yours. Rachel, a penthouse in France? You want France? You want to go fishing in France? It's yours. And she is just glee cackling. 
Gleeful. And Rachel is is laughing right along oh, with her. Yeah. You can tell Rachel Maddow is at least smart enough to know like this isn't a good look. So she tries to fix it by saying, if me going fishing in France could do something for women's rights, I would take the hit. Like trying to like bring it back to like doing something good with this money. But this woman has not his. Here's what I'll say. I don't know if she was assaulted or not. I haven't seen any evidence of that, but I also didn't study every moment of that trial. Her behavior to me is insulting to people that have been sexually assaulted and have gone through trials and have gone through the process of getting justice. And you don't see them jumping and skipping around talking about let's go Shopping. Let's go fishing. Get Let's NB. go buy a Let's penthouse in France. Well, this to is... every single person she talks to, she couldn't be more gleeful. Oh yeah. And, and then one. And then one of them was, "Oh, I'm gonna spend. I'm gonna spend money on anything that hurts Donald Trump, and not like I'm gonna like spend money campaigning against him. Like anything that I know, anything that I can do to stay in the like spotlight, to like to like rub it in his face. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm gonna do. Not like I'm, I'm gonna hurt him by supporting." Uh, candidates against him or, you know, uh, uh, giving money to Joe Biden or something like that. Like, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a flight around the world and and paint the airplane to say Donald Trump sucks. (laughs) Like, hate Donald Trump. Yeah, like that's what she means when she says she's going to hurt Donald Trump. You know, I I do have to say this. I'm going to give Rachel Maddow a kudos and then I'm going to also give her a not a kudos, whatever the opposite of that is. Yeah. Um, a diss, a diss track. All right. So I think Rachel Maddow's question, what are you going to do for women's rights with this money? I actually applaud Rachel Maddow for saying something like that, because yeah. although it could be Fakerton, although it could be a total ruse, at least she's asking the question to set up a successful Agreed. slam dunk for herself and for Eugene. Agreed. This is where now I take back the kudos and do the diss track. When when E. Jean Carroll goes on your show and starts to be funny, cutesy, ha ha he he about the celebration of winning and pulling one over on Donald Trump yeah. after having these crazy allegations of being sexually assaulted by him, and you have been a, a women's rights advocate, you have been a voice for the women of the country for the last umpteen years. Has she been? Well, that, in her mind. Okay. In her mind. I'm yeah. not saying she has been. I think I don't in her know. mind. I don't know who E. Jean Carroll is. No, no, no. I'm saying Rachel Maddow. Oh, yeah. Rachel okay. Maddow gotcha. has been, in Understood. her mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. an advocate for women. So, if, if this happens on your show and you're Rachel Maddow and this person almost mockingly and pro- it seems like she's in disbelief that she won this money. Now, E. Jean was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did it. Yeah. And she goes I on your show. And it's this funny hoo-ha cutesy time. She gives this answer to you. Why are you not doing your job and pressing her and saying, you know, it doesn't really seem like. Boom. It Bingo. doesn't really seem like you should be celebrating or this. It, this seems like a somber moment that you should be taking it. Uh, yes. Why are you not pressing her on this? So you are so right. And what I wrote in my notes was flip test. Can you imagine if Donald Trump won a big settlement against somebody and then went on with Sean Hannity and said, what are we doing with the money, Sean? 
What are we doing with the money, baby? We're yeah. going to Vegas. We're going to. You want a penthouse in France, dude? Let's get it. Let's the go. Fishing pole. I'll buy Can you the fishing pole. Imagine how the attack, rightfully so, the attack that would be launched on Donald Trump if he was if he accused somebody of like of of assaulting him. And he leveled these terrible allegations against somebody and then won and then turned it into a circus like Eugene Carroll is. Imagine the backlash. People would be saying he is the most disgusting human. They say it already, but he's the most disgusting human in the world. This was supposed to, you know, he should be doing something good with that money. He was supposed to be, you know, f- you know, fighting, you know, it'd be like it'd be like if. It would be like if uh, uh, Jussie won a bunch of money and then just went on a big celebration party of like... They're in disbelief that they got away with it. Right, right. People would be... People would be rightfully calling him out for being disgusting. But for some reason, because it's E. Jean Carroll and she run with Donald Trump, everybody's clapping along. Yeah! Go, girl! let's go! Women's rights! Fishing in France, here we go! But this is where It's not even women's rights! It's because he's not... No, but that's what... it. it, This is what's baffling to me. It almost goes back to the issue we brought... We talked about yesterday with Cori Bush. When people... When these people show you who they are in the moments that count, listen to them. This is a moment that counted. This wasn't just Rachel Maddow going on a monologue talking about women's rights or sexual assault or rape victims and and having her moment to just, you know, pontificate. This was a moment that she could have challenged someone to say, isn't this more somber? Isn't this a more serious moment of you? Yes, having a victory over your accuser because you are a victim, but this is a moment where there could have been an actual conversation about how do we move forward as a society with sexual assault, with victims, the whole with women, the whole thing. Rachel Maddow missed an opportunity because she was too busy playing cutesy. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I would love to hear from one of those jury members, like, what do you think of this now? Yeah. What do you think do of this? Do you think you got pulled over, like rused? You got you yeah. This this is somebody who if the best thing you she could do with that money is I mean obviously take care of herself there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong yeah, with taking care your of your money but to to turn into Oprah you get a car now you get a car and you get a car and here we go and like not care one bit about about doing it's all good for with show. this money. It's all for show. It's all this it showy nature. It makes it very difficult to believe mm-hmm. that she's the victim of anything. And what what did the I didn't watch the clip. I just heard you and I talked about it yesterday a little bit. But what the hell did the lawyers do? Why didn't they prep her to be like, hey, you know what? Simmer down. Oh. Simmer everywhere down she goes, she has her lawyer sitting next to her. And I said this on Monday. They don't stop her. But the lawyers are always looking at her like, oh, oh God. It's, but you know what? They already won. They already won. Yeah, but man. The appeal. And, but you know what? I bet you the judge life. doesn't allow all this. This should all be a part of the next court case. The appeal. Yeah, like, I guess look so. at this behavior. Yeah. But I don't know if it will. I don't know if it will be allowed to be. There were yeah. so many things that weren't allowed in the last one. It just is. So much, so much evidence wasn't allowed in the last one. I, I just, I, I. The whole thing, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's gross. Yeah. And if you flip test it, 
I mean, oh my God. If this goes, if this is the other way around and Donald Trump is celebrating doing silly, ridiculous things with this money, he would be the devil yeah. incarnate. Persecuted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. Because it but it's all fun with E. Jean. Yeah, it's all. And what bloody. kind of name is E. Jean? I don't know. What's the fir- what we? I think we talked about this. What the her hell lawyer the calls her E. Jean. What's the E? I don't know. What but why? But why do you e? not? Why do you always just say the E? E. Jean. That's what her like. Oh, the, Elizabeth Jean. But why do they say E. Jean every time? <laughs> no, just call her Jean. If you're not, if she's like a person that goes by her middle name, I don't know. That's a good question. That is E. Jean. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eugene. All right, Eugene. So All right. Long. Let's uh let's switch gears and let's head to Jeff City. The uh last week when we talked to Rodney Boyd, this uh this 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 drama was just getting started and it seemed at the time that progress this year in the legislative session was going to be uh, um, uh, very difficult or maybe something that we didn't even see being possible a week ago. But uh, now a week later, it looks like maybe there uh, is starting to be some communication and starting to be some movement on some issues in the Capitol. So let's get the latest from Rodney Boyd next on Colombo and Katie. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Tony Colombo and Katie Fitzpatrick here in studio. And joining us on the line is Missouri politics insider, the great Rodney Boyd. Rodney, thanks as always for your time, my friend, as we are... Man, we all knew it was going to be an interesting and maybe even a unique uh, legislative session, but I don't think any of us could have predicted this, my friend. Um, what's the latest there in uh, in the Capitol? I mean, the latest is building on what we spoke about last week, that you have some people who are decidedly committed to positions that they don't want to negotiate off of, and then you have people in leadership that want to negotiate things, and we've had a very tense week this week. We had our first, and I think this is probably, I mean, one of the earliest all-night filibusters in a session that I can remember and that anybody can remember. And, and to highlight that, um, there was a filibuster uh, that started at 530, I believe, on Tuesday and broke at about maybe 8 the next day. That's the process where senators hold up the floor, stop the normal business because they, they are trying to sort of either get something done that's not germane to the floor or they're threatening to stop what's on the floor from getting done until they get what they want. And it all sort of fits back into what we were talking about, telling about, you know, some members of the Freedom Caucus have said that they've tried for years to negotiate and to find compromises, but they keep finding that from their perspective that those compromises or those, those concessions have not led to the agenda getting implemented that they believe uh, represents the, their perspective of conservative mm-hmm. policy priorities. So it's really, you know, it's really gotten, um, this session's gotten off to a very tense start. I mean, I use tense uh, as opposed to hostile because it's not so much hostility. It's just people are saying, hey, the way things have worked in the last few sessions, we are going to demand something different. And we talked about last week, that has led to some uh, actions from leadership 
who don't who do not like that approach that included people losing parking spaces and losing um some positions on key commissions mm-hmm. so right we saw that um so last week i got to give you you credit because when we talked last week and especially we talked on wednesday of last week of course and then by friday i was certain that this was this was so deep and it was so personal that things were just not going to get start getting done anytime soon. Um, but you had said last week on the show I, when I asked you how do how do how can we expect anything to to uh, any progress to be made when it it seems like uh, this this standstill is so personal. And you said you start with the easy stuff with the low hanging fruit, and you you know you just get a couple things under your belt and you build from there. And which I which makes all the sense in the world, but I just didn't think that there was any. I just didn't think there was enough common ground anywhere. I just didn't think they even wanted to be in the room together. But then we saw on Monday, we saw after after the filibuster that you were just uh, talking about uh, earlier this week, we we saw that you know they 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 pushed through some of the governor's appointments, which is a pretty easy little thing, but kind of like one of those easy easy low hanging fruits that you talked about they they passed uh you know they they made a little bit of of motion on the uh amendment process the the constitutional amendment process that's been such a big deal so maybe that was some of that low hanging fruit that you talked about does it feel like maybe there is starting is it is it starting to get a little bit better are they starting to to move on a few things and uh if so that's a great thing because it's a lot faster than I thought that things would start to, to you know, mend. It's, 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 it's a good, you did, first of all, kudos to you for one of the best analysis that I've heard of this place from somebody that is not here on a daily basis. So kudos to you. Your listeners are getting the benefit of you paying attention in a way that is, that is healthy for them and obviously good for the show. And so we are. It is the incremental. I mean, you have a little bit of fight, but then you break the fight with incremental movement. The big issue that led to a lot of the discord that your listeners are seeing in some of the social media was around initiative petition, IP reform. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a move by the freedom and the the freedom caucus to see that as a priority that sailed, you know, out of the Senate over to the house for some quick action. Because you can do quick action items in the house because the rules are different. And when that didn't sort of go as planned, it led to some other things getting bottled up. But even that this week broke loose. So there has been a commitment to move IP reform. Uh, it's, it's now, you know, getting ready to come to the floor very soon. And it's coming to the floor uh, where people can have a chance to debate it and pass. So some version of IP form. And for, for the listeners, IP is initiative petition. I should, shouldn't be so casual. I, initiative petition. That is the process that affords laws to be sort of introduced to the voters by bypassing the General Assembly. And there's two types. There's statutory change and then there's constitutional change Mm -hmm. and what has happened is statutory process can be redressed by the legislature in a subsequent session so some people feel like well if i'm going to go through the process of changing the law why do something that's so pliable or so changeable uh, as changing a statutory framework so all of a sudden in the last 10-15 years there has been an uh, a, a prolific amount of initiative petitions all changing the Missouri Constitution. And it's caused some concern whether people want the process or not. It's caused concern about just how relatively easy, as a financial hurdle, it is to change the Missouri Constitution. And should our Constitution be that amendable, depending on how 
deeper pocket might be, whether that deep pocketed organization is a native to Missouri or not. That's a part of this debate, right? And that's a debate that you and I have talked about for a couple of years needs to be had because literally we have amended our constitution uh, every other year uh, in some ways that, that uh, probably, you know, we should, not be so comfortable about absolutely uh, something like 119 19, amendments yeah. in the in the missouri constitution which is just absolutely absurd we're talking to uh rodney boyd katie and i got a question rodney first of all and, i just want to mm-hmm. go ahead uh, before you and the constitution is the document that establishes the principles of our democracy who we are as a state so if you start amending that thing a hundred times, that's, that's a, that's, that just shouldn't be so normal. It should, yeah. be a, uh, it should be something we reflect on. But sorry, Katie. No, Rodney, I was just going to say that then that what does it mean anymore? What does the Constitution mean anymore if it's so pliable and it's so easy to amend constantly? But I do want to tell you, Rodney, thank you for explaining initiative petition here, because I, for someone like me, I was telling Tony this earlier, sometimes all of this stuff can get very wonky and over my head. And especially when it's so far away in Jeff City, it's just nice to have somebody on here that ex- is explaining why this is so critical and this has become such a, a standing moment in Jeff City for our lawmakers. I wanted to ask you, this week there was a pro-freedom caucus rally that happened at the Missouri Capitol. Hundreds of people showed up to Jeff City. Hundreds of people showed up to the Capitol to support the Missouri Freedom Caucus, but just to make their voices heard. Does the drama that happened and has been unfolding this last two weeks, does that mean something positive that people are getting interested, that people are showing their passion for things happening in Missouri and want that change? Or is it just a complete negative? I'm going to get I'm going to err on the side of my opinion that any time citizens of Missouri are engaging in this building and paying attention to this process, that is positive. For a very simple reason, Katie, this, we still are a representative democratic republic. What that means is the folks in this building are here under the mandate, or at least under the constitutional construct, that they're representing their constituents. And so for far too long, most constituents are uh, not, engaged in this building. They're not paying attention. They're not focused. Not because they don't care, but because they're dealing with the daily demands of their lives, those imminent, immediate things that are in front of them, right? And so it's easy for this building to get to drift away from the everyday Missourian, the everyday citizen, the everyday constituent. So for me, when constituents come here, especially physically, when they're in the building, it is a positive, right? Because they may come with one agenda, but they end up learning something. They end up meeting people that they wouldn't have otherwise met. A lot of these people that come up here, this is a misnomer. They don't know each other. So you mentioned, okay, hundreds of people come here to support the Freedom Caucus. Let's not take for granted many of those people that support. They met each other for the first time in this building, mm-hmm. and I think there's something fundamentally healthy when Missourians show up at their capital. They may come with a unifying agenda, but they may leave with a new network of people, maybe like-minded, maybe not. So I have to say, I think it's positive when, when regular citizens, not lobbyists, not governmental consultants like me, regular people come in this building. And they do come with one agenda, but I often think they leave with a broader perspective, especially if they spend a day here, on really what's going on here. 
Rodney, Senator Igel, who obviously Bill Igel is, is right in the middle of all this. He's running for governor. He's a he's a senator. He's a, a member of the Missouri Freedom Caucus. He said after there was the after the advancement on the initiative petition and the getting together to uh, uh, approve some of the governor the governor's appointments. When that progress happened earlier this week, Senator Eigel was quoted as saying that this is that it's working, that the approach that's being taken by the Missouri Freedom Caucus is working. And, you know, it sort of justified their actions by saying, look, we're finally getting stuff done and here's the proof. Uh, is that true in your opinion? And do you feel like the momentum maybe is at the back of the uh, the, the wind is at the back of the Missouri Freedom Caucus and they they may be on the road to some more successes here in the near future? Well, it, it, look, whether this pro- whether it's working or not is 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 probably more of a subject subjective analysis mm-hmm. than objective, mm-hmm. because, you know, or things getting done no doubt about it the evidence is the stuff's moving but at what cost if 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 the chamber the senate chamber in particular uh if that's the way we get things done it's a heavy heavy burden even on the freedom caucus because you shouldn't have to and they'll tell you this as well yeah you shouldn't have to sort of uh shut everything down uh get so personally in in in, in inter- intertwined with one to move something what I hope is, and to, to use the momentum piece, that now that there is some things moving, that that can become more normative without all of the collateral damage that has to happen where people have to attack each other uh, uh, to push their uh, political agenda. This is an interesting thing for me to watch because when you really sort of look at the chamber, and especially the Republican uh, caucus, if you just look back over the last few years, the voting record within the Missouri Republican uh, Party Senate, in particular, is very, very tight. It's not there. I mean, it's a very, very tight vote. There may be one or two bills where there's a break off, but about ninety, you know, five percent of the issues, the caucus votes together. But you would, when you watch this process, you would think that 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 those that there was one group that votes one hundred percent conservative, another group that votes. 50, 60, and they have to fight to get those 50, 60 folks up. So it, it is having the intended effect of moving agenda items faster, but there's a cost associated with it. And I think the cost might be too high for what we expect this chamber to be. The Senate chamber is supposed to be that deliberative body where people never compromise their core values, but they find a way to get things done or to not get things done because those things just couldn't get through the process. But the personality stuff is clouding that process so much to where now, even if I have a good idea, if I've decided whatever camp I'm in that I, that I don't like you, I want to demonize you. It may obscure my ability to value that good conservative idea that you're advancing. That's the thing that I hope we can get away from because that's the most destructive force in this whole process. If someone has a good conservative idea, it ought to be embraced. It shouldn't be obscured because of who the idea sort of was vetted through. So, Roddy, we're almost out of time. So last question for now. Do you have a sense 
and and granted this could change you know this could change in in a day in a week whatever but at, right now as it stands do you have a sense on on voters in Missouri on whether or not they support this the this type of action are they do they uh, are they supportive of the Missouri Freedom Caucus sort of coming in and putting everything to a halt and saying you know stopping progress to you know in order to dig in their heels and and fight for what they believe in or is it the other way around do you have do you have a sense on what you know what it, voters are feeling I, I, what I have a what I have a sense of what I have a sense of Tony that kind of maybe maybe gets to an answer is we have become so uh, segmented in our politics, in this intra-party, right, both mm-hmm. sides of the aisle, mm-hmm. that there is absolutely a segment of the Republican voters that are going to support the free... They were here. I saw them in the building. They're, they're supporting it. There is another segment that's not so sure that's the way to go, and there's probably another segment that says, why can't they just lay all that stuff down and, and work together without all that? So I think it depends on what segment you're focusing on. And it used to be, I think we're, I think we're in this modality for a while because it used to be maybe 20 years ago that, you know, Republicans were Republicans and they kind of got together and they agreed. But the world we live in now where how we consume information is so personalized, Tony, you and I can sort of have a personal uh, uh, indoctrination into news or whatever, because we can get our device out and we can go find exactly what we want to see. Right now that is affecting large groups in ways that we're kind of living through this. There's no playbook for this, right? There was no Twitter 10 years ago. There was no Instagram five years ago. So as people consume information and form their political value proposition, you could segment yourself into a pocket, even within a, within a party and say, this is the segment that I'm with the ones that say, stop compromising. So I think it's hard to sort of make that a general assertion because it's so segmented. And I think we're going to be segmented for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. And we'll continue to keep you covered completely on that segmentation <laughs> right here on Colombo and Katie and News Talk STL with the great Rodney Boyd. Rodney, really appreciate the information and insight as always, my friend. We will talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, okay. You bet. Great stuff there, as always, from Missouri political insider Rodney Boyd. All right, we're going to open up Close's Cabinet, have a little fun with Mark Close from KC95 and Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet in just about 20 minutes, just after 3 o'clock. Diving back into some of the headlines, the White House has formally assigned blame for the drone strike that killed three American service members. We'll fill you in on that. Also, uh, New Year, Super Bowl right around the corner. Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch bringing back the Clydesdales, trying to get people's attention during Super Bowl commercials. I think I was surprised, at least, at the latest sales numbers and just how bad it continues to be for Bud Light. I I can't remember a when they a bigger fall, supreme. yeah, mm-hmm. a bigger fall from grace than what we have seen over the last year with Bud Light. So we've got uh, we've got an update on that as well, and much more. We'll get into all of it next on Colombo and Katie. Colombo and Katie, the new faces of talk radio. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. 
Welcome back to Columbo and Katie on 1019941 News Talk STL. Great stuff in that last segment from Rodney Boyd, the political insider, Missouri political insider. They're at uh, Jeff City in the belly of the beast. If you missed any of that conversation, make sure you uh, are subscribed to our podcast so that never happens. We put out the show as a podcast shortly after we get off the air every day on basically every podcast platform. So whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, many, many more. Just make sure you subscribe to Columbo and Katie and you'll never miss anything that happens here on the show. The White House has formally assigned blame for the drone strike in Jordan that killed three American service members. The United States believes a group of militants called the Islamic Resistance in Iraq was behind the drone attack in Jordan that killed three American service members, the White House said today. Its first formal attribution of the incident Quote, we believe the that the attack in Jordan was planned, resourced, and facilitated by an umbrella group called the Islamic Resistance in Iraq, which contains multiple groups, including Hezbollah, unquote. That was from National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. Kirby said that as the U.S. was preparing to respond to the attack, there would be multiple phases of a counterattack. Quote, we will respond on our own time, on our own schedule. The first thing you see won't be the last thing, unquote. He said U.S. intelligence was monitoring for signs of groups in the region, moving resources around ahead of the U.S. counterstrike. Joe Biden told reporters yesterday that he had decided how to respond to the strike, but remained vague on exactly what that response would be. Mm-hmm. So couple things here. One, there's definitely going to be, apparently, a military counterattack to this. And two, this is the first time I've ever heard of this new group called the Islamic Resistance in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So another group, it sounds like this is the super group of terrorists. It's like there's all these individual terrorist organizations. Mm-hmm. And then, but when they get all together and they form their super friends group it's called the islamic resistance in iraq i've never heard of that before i don't think anybody else has that's that's new to everyone so also um you know there's there's a lot of uh debate and a lot of controversy surrounding just what is going to happen Mm -hmm. in this counter strike how big is the military action going to be are we leading ourselves into another war um, for John Kirby to say that there's going to be a counterattack and that it, when you see it happening, that first action is not going to be the last action, that this is going to be a sustained sort of counterattack. It sounds like uh, it sounds like there's there's going to be some. Some major developments when it comes to war in the Middle East in the very near future. Did I miss something or has Biden come out in a presidential address to talk about the three people that we lost? Not that I am aware of. Which to me, the only the only White House, the only White House acknowledgement of this that I have seen was this today with John Kirby. And then the sound that we played yesterday of Corinne Jean-Pierre not even being able to say 
these honorable men that fought for the country with, without seen, stuttering her way through it. I've seen both of those people talk at the podium during the press conferences, the press briefings about what Biden has said or what action might be taken or not taken. But I still have not seen our president come out with any kind of presidential address, whether it be shown for 30 minutes on a teleprompter, five minutes on the teleprompter coming out and saying, our families, uh, we, our hearts go out to these families that lost loved ones who were protecting our country. We will act with force. I mean, where is the reassurance from this president that we are going to be taking action in response? And where is the message to this, these families? I just feel like Trump isn't our president. But if Trump were our president and military folks for lack of a better word, from Corrine Jean-Pierre, have lost their lives, I think Trump would have made an address. Yeah. I think think Obama would have made an address. Absolutely. Every president would have. So where's Biden? In the basement, where Biden always is. It's horrible. Yeah. So we'll see where, we'll see um, how this develops and we'll see about this... uh, uh, the, exactly what this the, this new group is. What was it called? Uh, the, I got it. Something I read. I had moved my I had moved my pen. The Islamic resistance in Iraq. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that story and keep you updated as things develop over the course of the next few days. Uh, Bud Light sales are down nearly 30% year over year as its rivals continue to climb in sales. Bud Light is still having trouble luring back the customers it lost following its controversial partnership with transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney last year. Bud Light sales were down 29.9% year over year for the week ending January 20th, 2024. Sales of AB's signature Budweiser brand were also down 15% on an annualized basis. So Bud Light is down 30%. Budweiser is down 15%. Molson Coors, Coors Light is up 12.2%. Miller Light is up 7%. Yingling Light is up 72.3%. And Modelo Especial... Also gained further ground, seeing 10.8% sales increase. Uh, Modelo eclipsed Bud Light to become the best-selling beer in the United States last year. And uh, again, it continues to grow with nearly 11% in sales. I'm I'm not... this This is the biggest hit I've ever seen a big company take. We've seen Target, Disney... We've seen some big companies take some big hits, make some big mistakes, but I can't think of any of anybody that has taken a bigger hit for a more sustained amount of time than Bud Light. And I don't think it has to do, I mean, obviously the Dylan Mulvaney thing, which is wild. This all, it was one post, Mm -hmm. one single social media post. I mean, yes. Bud Light and, and they did a lot of other promotion. They did a lot of other promotions and things like that. That, but it was really just the Dylan Mulvaney post that set this off, which is amazing that one post could have that type of, of impact. Yeah. yeah. 
However, I don't think it is just that post. I think that people have taken this situation with Bud Light and they have made Bud Light the poster child of woke corporations. Mm -hmm. And people have said they've made an example out of Bud Light of we're fed up with the woke agenda being forced down our throats and this is where we're taking our stand. Mm -hmm. So I think it has less to do with Dylan Mulvaney or even maybe Bud Light as a product as it does this was the opportunity to speak out against the woke movement and say, we're fed up with this. And what an opportunity did people were people allowed to take because it's very easy to switch beers. It's very easy to switch a beer. Yeah. And so the opportunity presented itself Mm -hmm. to just make a choice and let the market decide. And people chose not only that, but Tony, I've said this to you from the beginning, the stink on Bud Light is not just a national TV manufactured. It's not, it wasn't manufactured. Mm-mm. This was an organic movement mm-hmm. that still to this day, when I hang out with people, they are like, we're not drinking Bud Nobody's Light. Nobody's buying it. It's an, it, it's just an, it was an easy thing to happen. And the success story from it has only, only spurred more people to say no more Bud Light. And you know what? It, and it, it, I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's good that people have shown that we that this can happen. Yeah, totally. That we could because I think put your foot down. I think a lot of companies are you know they feel like they're too big to fail. And I'm not saying Bud Light's hurting at the end of the day. I mean they're still making plenty of money, but they're desperate. But they got but they took a huge hit. And mm-hmm. I think this shows that we that people are capable of that when they're fed up. And I think it's a good warning for companies to to have. But they're bringing about the Clydesdales for the Super Bowl commercials. And they're going to we'll focus on patriotism. Uh-huh. Pander, yeah. pander. Yeah, that what else to, can we do? That ought to fix it. All right, let's have a little fun and open up Close's cabinet. We'll talk to our buddy Mark Close from KC95, Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet, next here on Colombo and Katie.